Hello and welcome to Luke's C2, Home C2C League. I'm Luke. I'm Jacob Belleville. And we are here today to go over some quick news and notes from around the NCAA, uh, the NFL, and then Jacob and I are going to talk about our teams and our strategy and, and how we got to kind of where we got what we're kind of looking for. So... First, talk about the NCAA news. The Pac-12 already committed to the top two Pac-12 winning percentage teams um, are going to play in the championship game. So that's we already talked about that last. What was it Tuesday? We talked with with Dennis, and this was like something that we were going to look at uh, the. Teams were going to evaluate. Pac-12 has already jumped on it. They they voted Wednesday, I believe, and then like Wednesday afternoon. Hey, whoever has the best winning percentage is going to be in the championship game. You have any thoughts or opinions on that, Jacob? I mean, if you just go by winning percentage, what's wrong with divisions? I mean. I mean, I think, again, it just probably gives, I look at like the Big Ten, probably gives Michigan and Ohio State an opportunity to play again um, in, in a championship type game. It does, but like if, if the schedule flip-flops each year and someone gets an easy schedule and they have a top winning percentage, it's like, that's basically divisions again. So that, That's my only thing, but... I mean, it's not. It's never going to be perfect. So we'll see how that goes this year. Um, and they already said like it's going to be immediate. So that'll be interesting to see. Um, transfer news: LV Bunkley Shelton um, is going from Arizona State to Oklahoma, and he is on my team. Uh, had him on the trading block. I think going into Oklahoma is a better situation for him. He's going to have Dylan Gabriel as quarterback uh, coach. I believe they brought in head coach. I don't remember his name, but he was the defensive coordinator at Clemson. So I would assume that the offensive coordinator there, I can't remember if he stayed or if he went with Lincoln Riley. Um, But I would assume it's going to be pretty run and gun. Would hope so. So um, LV Bunkley Shelton still on the block. Um, Grant Gunnell. He is an Arizona transfer that went to Memphis, got hurt, and Seth Hennigan took over as a freshman, performed really, really well, um, and then Grant Gunnell transfers again to North Texas. Again, he is on my team, uh, also on the trading block, but they have, in North Texas, a, um, you can think back to, to kind of the down year last year, but Jaden... Was it Jalen Darden? Darden? Like, they usually have a run-and-gun pass offense with a high wide receiver, like, fantasy-wise. So, Seth Luttrell is their um, head coach, and he, in neutral game situations, um, he he throws 47.9% of the time. Sorry, guys, that's... uh, Grant has made an appearance. Mom's away, so, um, but 
that 47.9%, just a lot of us are know about Kirk Ferentz. He's at 41.5%. So, um, throws more than Kirk Ferentz. But if you think about it, like Lincoln Riley, he's at a 47.1, so he throws at a higher percentage than Lincoln Riley does. Nick Saban's at 49.7, so a little bit below Nick Saban. So you think of the Oklahoma-type offense, that's roughly a little bit more of what Seth Luttrell does at North Texas. Um, Kamaro Edmonds, he was a North Carolina running back, transfers to ECU. He is on Nate's team. Uh, I think he's going to be the 1B to Mitchell there. Um, they like to run the ball, and he's a big boy. Like He's like 240, but I don't think he's a healthy 240. Like, I just, I mean, I've always seen him as a linebacker. Like, he should have made that transition. He's, he's a big kid. So we'll see how that goes. But I think he gets – I guess he get, he's going to see some significant run, I think, because they like – at ECU, they like to split it up. And then – That level. I mean, probably not a ton of – he's probably as big as some of the D tackles he's going to be facing, but – Yeah. I mean, maybe he's just a goal line guy or short yard, kind of the LeGarrette Blunt of the New England Patriots, Philadelphia Eagle type. I don't know, but – Someone, someone who found a home, and then Jordan Addison earlier today said he is going to go to USC, and he is on Patrick's team. Uh, Blitnikoff Award winner from last year, Pitt wide receiver who is now going to USC. Um, also, non nobody's team, but a name that needs to be talked about: JUCO transfer to the University of Oklahoma, General Booty. Quarterback, I think he could get an NIL deal with Charmin. I think he could get it with the general insurance. And there's a lot of opportunities. Haven't watched the kid. Don't know if he's any good. But an A-plus name. I would say T-minus three months to dating a Kardashian. (laughs) So, uh, general booty. I mean, he might be a... A must-have just based on the name, I tell you. I, I, <laughs> like I hope you can do worse with a pick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just ask Grim. Wait. <laughs> um, we didn't have any league trades, but uh, something that's sweeping the college world last night and today. I want to talk about it slightly. I want to play a clip. It's bad radio. If you don't want to listen to it, it's like eight minutes long. Skip eight minutes here in a little bit. But it's Nick Saban, Jimbo Fisher, and last night Jimbo, or last night Saban was talking, I think it was to some trustees trying to get money, mentioned something about we don't, Cheat. We had the second best recruiting class only because Texas A&M cheated. I don't think he actually said Texas A&M, but he highly inferred that Texas A&M I think he inferred Texas A&M and he did mention uh, Jackson State. Okay, so, you know, those 
one there's one there's gonna be big Hold on. Feel free to filibuster, Jacob. Yeah, um, basically, they kind of went at each other. I'm talking. This clip, it's fun to, fun to listen to. Um, I think Grant's right. Like, Luke should definitely stop talking for the most part. But, yeah, I'm excited to listen to the clip. All right, we'll we'll see how it goes. Here here goes. If you don't want to listen to it, it's like eight minutes long. Um, feel free to skip ahead. But here we go. I'd like to respond to some comments made last night in Alabama. Uh, yes, I would. First of all, I'll say it's a shame that we have to do this. It's really despicable. It's despicable that somebody can say things about somebody and an organ. More importantly, seventeen-year-old kids. You're taking shots at 17-year-old kids and their families. And they broke state laws. They're, they're, they're all money. They're, we bought every player on this group. We never bought anybody. No rules were broken. Nothing was done wrong. It was all in the, and the way we do things, the ethics in which we do things. And these families, it's despicable that a reputable head coach could come out and say this when he doesn't get his way or things don't go his way. The narcissist in him doesn't allow those things to happen. It's ridiculous. But when when he's not on top. And the parody in college football he's been talking about, go talk to coaches who coach for him. You'll find out all the parody. Go dig into wherever he's been. You can find out anything. And it's a shame that you got to sit here and defend 17-year-old kids and families and Texas A&M because we do things right. We're always going to do things right. But we're, not, we're always going to be here. We're doing a heck of a job. These coaches have done a great job. Our players have done a great job. The whole organization of recruiting people. It's despicable that we got to set at this level of ball and, and say these things to defend the people of this organization, the kids, 17-year-old kids and their families. It's amazing. Some people think they're God. Go dig into how God did his, his deal. You may find out about, about a guy that a lot of things you don't want to know. We built him up to be the czar of football. Go dig into his past or anybody that's ever coached with him. You can find out anything you want to find out, what he does and how he does it. And it's despicable. It really is. And it's a shame we have to sit up here and have this conversation about things we do. And it's and it personal to us? Yes, it is. It's personal to A&M. It's personal to our players. It's personal to our coaches and everybody involved. And I know the guy. know him really well. It's amazing that we're allowed to do those things. It's really despicable. And I, and I hate it. For our players who are coming here, who did things the right way, have done things the right way and will continue to do things the right way. I apologize to you that people insult you publicly the way they're doing it. And our fans, I, I, I apologize to you guys for people saying those things about Texas A&M. I promise you this, there are, no, there are no violations. There are nothing wrong. It's the second time we've had to do this with grown men who don't get their way and want to pout and throw a fit and act up. Just go ask all the people who work for him. You'll know exactly what he's about. I always said this. My dad always told me this. When people show you who they are, believe them. He's showing you who he is. Questions? Uh, to the left, Olin. Uh, a couple of things, Jimbo. First of all, have you had any contact with Nick since? No. Uh, oh, he's called. You just didn't take the call? Not going to. We're done. And uh, He shows you who he is. And then I just wanted to. He's the greatest ever, huh? And then I just want to. You got all the advantages. 
easy. And I just wanted to uh, just put it point blank. So no players in your – you're saying that no players in the There's not, no law laws of anything we ever promised done, anything that goes against the laws of the state of Texas, and it's insulting to say a 17-year-old and his family broke laws. No. Down front, Brent. other in the past in terms of what y'all done in your previous relationship so how disappointing was it to hear that from him you know in terms of you know a mentor time to it's disappointing well. no i wasn't no listen you coach with people like bobby bowden and learn how to do things you coach with other people and learn how not to do things there's a reason people don't go i ain't went back and worked for him with opportunity coach back behind don't the lines associated with Coaches, uh, is this an area where you would want to see the league office and the SEC, the commissioner's office, get involved if, if coaches are putting out specific accusations yeah, of that's violence? Their job. That's, that's fine. I'm sure they will. Don't reprimand or say something. And we'll move on, I guess. But this is about our players in Texas A&M and the people who work here and the coaches here. That's what this is about. Make a mistake. We're not going anywhere. We have still a lot of work to do. We're not where we want to be. This is going to be a great program, and we're building it into a great program. Any other questions down the front, Travis? I know everyone saw the initial post from Sliced Bread or whatever, but where do you feel like this is, is coming from? Sliced Bread. You got me. Sliced Bread. <laughs> well, but I mean, when coaches say that, Especially, never mind. The operation and tactics of certain people who say them, and anybody who coached with him know them, anybody out there in this business knows it. Amazing. Just and, go where he's been. And I know that you don't necessarily, you can't have the, the conversation with people who do NILs or have that contact, but would you like to see the, the collective that that, it, that this I would like to find unified rules across this country to put things in place. That's what I want. But I don't know what those are. I'm not smart enough to figure it out. I don't know what the antitrust laws, all those bylaws, the government needs to step in because this is these things here. And what's funny, in that talk, right before he said that about us, wasn't he soliciting funds from the crowd? It's amazing, wasn't it? To the left, Rob. When you walk on water, I guess it don't matter. Howdy, Coach. Um, so you've told us how you don't look at social media. How, tell, tell us about when you found out about – I'm right here, Coach. Mark tell Robinson me. called me. Okay. And, and how important was it for you to, to have this press conference so that you could defend your players? And your I'm not program? defending anybody. I'm just giving you the truth. Because I have nothing to hide. I have nothing to hide. Our program has nothing to hide. It would be interesting if everybody could say that. Down front, Brent. Is there some thought on – Collectives, you know, schools, programs, collectives, universities, collectives. Are you aware of what they do, how they go about it, and no, so I'm not. forth? I'm so not you involved have no with knowledge of any of. They have collectives. I know there's a collective here. I don't know who's got what, when's got what. Had no idea last year. That is not what we do or what we're about. I'm just saying that's my design. Just saying, hey, I'm staying out of this. Yeah, I mean, how am I going? I mean, I have no sponsorships and those things. And that's the truth. Wait, listen, I'm going to tell you one thing. You, you can call me anything you want to call me. You ain't calling me a cheat. I don't cheat and I don't lie. Because I learned that when I was a kid. If you did, the old man slapped you side of the head. Maybe somebody should have slapped him. That's one thing you don't. Now you're fooling with her name. 
that don't from a Texas A&M thing, you're saying with those kids' name and our name. I'll put it with any of them. Front left, Owen. Uh, Coach SEC. I don't. I ain't into that. I wasn't raised that way. Yeah, Jimbo. SEC spring meetings are coming up. The media days in a couple of months. <coughs> October eighth. What do you think? That's. Uh, is, it, is it going to be awkward? And well, awkward about what? When you have to face it or have to. I don't mind it. confrontation. <coughs> Live with it my whole life. Kind of like it myself. Anything else, uh, Rob? Then Travis. Backing away from it wasn't the way I was raised. Coach, what do, you, what do you say to your players about something like this? Keep doing the right. Oh, well, I uh, accidentally exit out of it. But you get the gist of it. Like, Jimbo's pissed. A couple things that, that came out of it. Was, that really caught my attention. <clears throat> One was, hey, I don't take Saban's phone calls anymore. Later, I kind of, I kind of like, what was, what do you say? I kind of like, uh, oh, what do you say? Do you remember Jacob? He said, I kind of like confrontation. I kind of like confrontation. Oh, yeah. But hey, I'm not going to answer Nick Saban's phone call. Uh, the other thing I liked was. We didn't break any laws. We didn't do any of that. Coach, can you talk to us about the the trusts? And like, I have no idea what they do. I don't know what anybody gets. It's like, well, if you don't know what people get, is there anything? Like, how can you say it's not being broken? I thought, there was a couple times, uh, you know, kind of contradicted himself, but I can't wait for week six. I hope it's a primetime matchup. Um, I think Alabama is at home October 8th against Texas A&M. Three and a half over under of player injections or personal fouls. I don't know. I can't wait for it. It's going to be this thing that just gets built up. Everyone's going to make a big deal over the handshake. It'll be great. My whole thing is I don't even understand what we're denying anymore like what's the point well nil is legal now so i'm not doing any nil stuff hey like i i agree with you it doesn't make any sense nil you can give money to people you can give things to people and we're like nope didn't do it like just say i did it college coaches in general have this thing where they deflect to the players like they're trying to protect the players in some way, when in reality they are being questioned for their program and how they do things. So to just go and say that no players broke any laws, well, no, we're asking if you did at Texas A&M. The other thing is like just two crotchety old guys. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a whole new world. Deal with it. I wish Iowa State was doing exactly what Texas A&M was. Obviously, less money, but it's definitely going to be. It is definitely going to make for great ESPN news for two weeks, three weeks leading up to it. It'll be. It'll be. Oh, and Deion Sanders is already getting on a show tomorrow to talk about it. Great. That'll be fun. That'll be. 
I can't imagine what those Affleck commercials are going to be like going forward. I just don't think anybody in their right mind can be like, oh, yeah, Alabama's been recruiting above board for the last 10, 15 years. Or even Texas A&M or really any SEC school. And then not too long after that, then... uh, Sankley, the SEC commissioner, issues a public reprimand for Saban and Jimbo. I looked at what that means. It pretty much is like the lowest form a committee can do to any team. Like, it means nothing. But it's like you two, it's like little kids. You two need timeouts. Go sit in the corner. Shut up. It's basically just saying, hey, quit talking about it. Yeah, so. Okay. All right. Quit quit denying what we all know (laughs) is happening. Yeah. So that is pretty much all the news from the NCAA side. I will hand it over to Jacob for any NFL news. I mean, since Tuesday, I guess the only NFL news is you got some wide receivers for the Chiefs that are dealing with some hamstring injuries. Personally hoping it, hoping that just leads to additional opportunities for Justin Ross. Um, I don't know. Sky Moore. Cornell Powell, who has no shot at really doing anything. Um, he's going to be a practice squad player. But, yeah, that's really the only thing that's happened on the NFL side. All right. Well, let's get into it. Um, you and me are going to talk a little bit about our, our strategy. So since I'm talking, I'll just give it over to you, Jacob. Talk about your team, uh, what your direction is, things that you're looking for. If people want to trade with you, like what what are you doing with your team? Right now, I feel like both my teams are probably going to be in a good spot post, like, our supplemental draft. I mean, honestly, people looking to trade for me, trade with me, would just need to be looking at, okay, who's a player that's going to retain their value for a long time, and how much can I get from Jacob for him? Um, Especially on the NFL side. College football side, I think with the way I've set up picks this year and then the age of my roster that's already there that I'm going to be keeping, I'm hoping that you know I'm able to trade my college picks next year while I wait things out and see how you know all these freshmen and sophomores do. Um, maybe just get more depth on the NFL side. So you're looking at maybe some NFL depth for supplemental picks next year? Yeah, probably. Okay. I, I, well, unless I draft terrible, <laughs> right? Like, if, if the draft goes terrible, then I'm going to need the college picks, I guess. But, yeah, I, I think trading college picks for even, you know, rookies who didn't quite do what they you expected or whatever on the NFL side, that's probably what I'm planning on doing for next year. So we have, we have a, a split pot, or not a split pot, but we split the pot – but the NFL side gets more money than the NCAA side. Um, we've kind of both talked about, hey, hey, we're going after Debbie-type guys. 
in those first couple rounds. Do you do you care about winning the college side at all? Do you just want to win the NFL side? What are you what are your thoughts with that? It's tough because part of me is like take the best players and the best players are going to be performing in the NFL. Um, with that being said, if I have if I have a lot of players on the college roster that I think have a lot of like NFL upside that I need to wait on, then I'll probably use like late round college picks on just guys that I think will perform at the college side. And so I could see myself next year kind of pivoting towards trying to win the college side and then waiting things out on you know, the NFL side. Gotcha. Um, I guess, is there any, I don't have any more like kind of follow-up questions, but is there anything else you want to talk about strategy or or thought-wise on your team? Probably the biggest strategy that I've taken is stocking up on tight ends that I think could actually be elite, like top three tight ends in the league. I think that's just going to be a position where you're going to have to overpay because really the only, only the top three to five actually produce fantasy points that are relevant. Five to 15 are all about the same. And so along with that, like I kind of going back to Dennis, like he had rookies didn't really pan out this year. Then he went and paid a good price for Herbert, like kind of the same thing. The NFL takes a long time for tight ends to produce the NFL also isn't that great at picking NFL quarterbacks so I think those two positions are like at least for me is stuff that I'm willing to pay up for if if I need it that's kind of the approach I've taken with quarterback I think I'm, I'm almost more comfortable trying to acquire the guy who pops off you know and isn't rostered on the college side like a Will Levis or Anthony Richardson. Like, those are premium guys this coming into this year. And so if you can find them, I'd, I'd rather find them through the college side, you know, free agent bidding. Um, guy that kind of comes to mind, Tyler Van Dyke, kind of good second half of the season. Spring reports are, are mixed bag. Some of them are like, hey, the – Receivers weren't catching the ball. Some people are saying, well, he didn't like throw them all that well. But he's he's one of those guys that he's draft eligible this year that, hey, he could be one of those guys that puts his name into that QB tier. Yeah, and I guess in just like some of the things that I've done in terms of like building a da- database and all that kind of stuff, it's like those two positions, good luck. I mean – I, I, I can't stress enough that they're extremely, extremely volatile. And just like this NFL draft, like Malik Willis had round one NFL draft, went round three. Which is a death sentence for quarterbacks. I mean, outside of Russell Wilson, go find me a third-round quarterback that ever did really anything. All right. Well, so we got your your strategy out of the way. Um, I guess anything else you want to, want to touch on? Not really. I'm always willing to hear offers. I guess, but that's about it. 
Well, for me, um, I kind of went with a Debbie aspect when we did the initial draft. Um, and then I had a plan for the NFL side. Um, but then everybody like took running backs pretty early. And I got to thinking, you know, early on, it's like, well, if I take Jamar Chase and he hits and I have that asset, wide receivers age better than running backs. Running backs kind of get churned out in the in the NFL. You got a couple guys like the Camaras and Zeeks, um, Nick Chubbs. A lot of these guys get to their second contract and, and they still perform well. A lot of guys start not performing well in their second contract. So I was like, oh, then I'll just kind of feed in from my NCAA side there. So while the league was going for running backs, I just went all these wide receivers with my first wide receiver or my first running back being in like the ninth round. Um, and I felt really uncomfortable with it because that's not how I draft. Um, because you need running backs to be competitive. Um, and it kind of worked out and. I've had a lot of people just, hey, what's it going to take for Jamar Chase, DK Metcalf, Rashad Bateman? It's like, well, now I think the league's starting to see that the wide receivers are are an important piece. So when the, when people come to me asking me for wide receivers, I think they're more valuable than running backs. And I don't ever really want to pay up for a running back unless like I absolutely need to have those players um so I mean I I was kind of anticipating oh I'm not based on how the NFL draft I'm not gonna compete till 2024 something like that and then I get Zeke with a trade with Patrick which then it's like well now I've got Zeke he's kind of aging I need to get something otherwise I'm just wasting his so then I had that trade with Nate and I got Nick Chubb and it's like okay now I'm gonna try to compete on the NFL side. Um, if I get injuries to the running back, then I'm kind of screwed. I'm not gonna. I'm probably not gonna really try to find a bridge unless I can find one for cheap enough. Because I don't want to mortgage my future for a shot next year when I could just wait another year or two and be in a better spot. Yeah, I mean, I agree to an extent. I think young receivers are more valuable than young running backs. But if we're talking about, well, I shouldn't say that. If you can get like a 24-year-old, 22-year-old receiver that's already popped off, they should be more valuable than most running backs. But if you're talking about a 28-year-old receiver and a 25-year-old, like, Christian McCaffrey, the points scored aren't even going to be close. Like, the top-performing players in, in, like, our format are probably going to be running backs year over year. Yep. So, running backs are more like swing for the fences rather than, like, sustained success I guess yeah plus you have variability with wide receivers like 
Do you have the Devontae Adams of like two years ago? Maybe even last year, I don't really recall, but like pretty consistent. Like you're going to get X amount of points from him like every game. Otherwise, you're going to have like the DK Metcalfs of like last year, and like where you just have like, hey, you got like a good four game stretch and then he doesn't do much for. You just don't have that consistency, I guess. Like with the running backs, like McCaffrey, you know, is going to put up like kind of quarterback numbers in in this league right. as long as he's healthy. That's kind of the, that's kind of the I don't know. That's the devil in the details. Is like I think we all realize that if you have a running back who's a bell cow who can catch passes, they are going to outscore probably any other player. Yep. Outside of quarterback. Yep. So my thing again for my team is is uh, I'm probably not going for second contract running backs. If I do. I'm not going to spend up for him. Um, and then wide receivers are going to be pretty expensive. Um, but also the best way to trade for me is, like, let me know you're interested in a player, and I'll let you know, like, who I'm interested in. Like, I get some trades that are just, like, throwing spaghetti noodles at a wall, see if it sticks. It's like, I have zero interest in any of these people. Like... It's like, if that's the case, like, it's going to be hard to get a trade down. It's like, okay, you want, let's say you want Jamar Chase. It's like, okay, well, I'm interested in these top players. It's like, whoa, 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 I'm not giving up any of these top guys. It's like, well, Jamar Chase is a top guy. So, um, that's kind of where I'm at. Like, I would much rather have a conversation back and forth like hey what are your team needs which i'm hoping this you know podcast these interviews kind of help figure out is is team needs so we can better find trades that fit everybody because that's you need you want to you want a trade that helps both team in some fashion whether it's your college side or your nfl side but makes sense of, of the direction that you're going so Hey, here's a list of people that I'm I'm interested in. If you've got no, if you've got somebody that you think is hands off, tell me. But here are the guys I'm interested in, and let's try to work on something. Yeah, and to piggyback on that, one of the struggles I've had is it seems like a lot of times they want me to open up the trade like with an offer. But okay, now you're you're basically asking me to bid against my. And so it, it just helps knowing like what players you like on my team. And I'll tell you what players I like on your team. Can we figure it out? Like, yeah, just having disclosure like that is helpful. Otherwise, I'm just throwing crap at the wall. Yeah. Like, the other thing is, hey, how much, how much would Christian McCaffrey, like, what's the going price for Christian McCaffrey? Then it's like, okay, well, am I looking to trade Christian McCaffrey? Yes or no? If I if it's a no, then it's like I I don't know. Like I'm not looking. You came to me, give me an offer. Otherwise, like you said, it's like hey, you want Christian McCaffrey? Okay, now I'm trying to trade a guy that you came to me that I didn't have anticipation of trading. Like it's kind of this weird thing. It's like this is what it's going to cost. Like well, no way am I doing that. It's like I I don't know, dude. You came to me like. You make an offer then. 
Yeah, and I think I've done that a few times, and it just hasn't worked out. It's like, I just need to say, hey, I'm interested in this player. These are the players that I think would fit. Are you interested in any of them? And then if they answer yes, then you just work out the details. And, and some of my, like, if you say, hey, these are people that I think would fit, well, it's like, well, it's my team. Like, how do you know what fits on my team? Like, like you have that perception, but maybe I have a different perception of how that is. And that's also something that's really, like, really hard. It's like, oh, Can you come with me we... right now? No, I cannot come with you right now, Grant. <laughs> but... We're having, a, we're having a hard time. Mom's gone. She's out celebrating her birthday. And I got Grant watching TV a little bit late tonight. But it's just kind of like... I can't even remember what I was talking about. I got off track there. But that's... Well, frankly, I'm a weird person to even trade with. I have like guardrails around each position where I'm just completely not interested in certain people. That's probably a flaw in like what I'm doing, but it's it's just the truth. So I've I've had a, I've traded quite a bit, but I've had a little bit of trouble getting trades done with you know the rest of the league. And I'm willing to trade anybody at any point for the right price, and that right price might be like super expensive, but that's how I you know value that person. Or like part of me is like, hey, I've got. My NFL team's at a pretty good spot, and like I said, the I only got like two really realistic running backs, so if I get an injury, then I'm screwed, but I don't think I can trade any of my res- like younger receivers right now because I, I have some NFL talent, I think, for the running back spot coming up next year that's like, okay, well, maybe I'm in a spot here in two years, but I don't know. Everything can change at a you know tur- uh, flip of a coin. Things can change, but I kind of like the trajectory of, of where my teams are going. And I last year wasn't trying to win the NCAA side. And week four, I did a pickup of Brock Bowers, turned out all right. And then week eight, picked up Sky Moore, which was I didn't really see the NFL potential there. Um, turned out awesome for you. Yeah, turned out pretty awesome. Um, I didn't really see the NFL potential at the time. I was just like, hey, I need a college producer because I need to go up against. Like, Corey had these quarterbacks that were putting up big points. Brett was putting up good points. Like, hey, I think I have a chance. So, week eight, I need a college producer as opposed to a Debbie guy. Turned out that I got both, but that was kind of my thought process was – Week four, get my Debbie guy. Week eight, I'm going to see where I'm at and, and make that push. Um, so probably going to do much of the same where, hey, I'm going to see how things go. And then week eight, unless we change how, how we do waivers, that's kind of be my flipping point. Do I do this or do I do this? But that is kind of my strategy. Um Tweet mentioned that he kind of liked hearing about the players and options. I liked talking about them. So Jacob and I each have, um, I think it was two that we wanted to talk about at least. If we talk about more, we talk about more. But Jacob, do you want to 
give the group a, kind of a late round guy that could be available in our supplemental draft? You're on mute. It won't be a late round. Um, a guy that I think we should all be looking at for both Debbie and just college football is Cam Ward. I mean, the guy is really good, and he's going from G5 to P5. Uh, I think it was FCS. FCS. I think okay. It was F- well, anyways, the guy has a cannon. He can move. Um, I would expect him to actually get drafted pretty highly. I think he should be in our league because he is available right now. Yep, because, yeah, he was not available to be drafted at all last year. He's out there. I think he's top three round type supplemental guy. Um, And then he went to Washington State, and Washington State hired – I think their offensive coordinator was his head coach at his previous school. Um, So I don't think he's going to have to really learn a whole – other than like defenses being probably faster, um, he won't have to learn like a new offensive playbook, I would doubt. Yeah. He's just – I mean, the guy's got a cannon. I mean, he's got all the tools and then – now he has an opportunity to produce on your college team and then still get picked up by the NFL. And the Pac-12 does not have great defense. No, or, he's going to light it up. Oregon's you know pretty good, team. and Utah's pretty good. But like other than that, like he should be, he should be pretty good for uh, the college side. And again, potential for um, going to the NFL. Well, yeah, I mean he's a big kid that can move. Um, my guy, uh, more of a college producer that I think would be uh, Titus Sween, Wyoming running back. He is a 2023 draft eligible. Uh, Craig Bull from 2016 to 2021 in neutral game situations passes at a 34.8% clip. And if you recall back, Kirk Ferentz is at a 41.5. As a Hawkeye fan, like we say, hey, we run the ball like way too much. Well, this guy runs the ball more than Iowa. And Tyus Sween is going to be the running back there at Wyoming. Um, again, probably won't have much of an NFL upside, but I think could really perform well on the college side and being at Wyoming, you're going to have those cupcake games that you're probably not going to start them. So you're going to know when to start them, when not to start them. And then once it starts like conference play, just wheels up and Titus Sween. My second one, I'm going to go quarterback again. I don't know about the NFL upside with this guy, but Devin Leary at NC State, I think he's going to light it up. I think he's going to win leagues on the college side. I think 
I think you're right. College points wise, I think he's going to be very similar to like a Sam Hartman. Like he put up a lot of points last year. No one picked him up. Um, I didn't really have an eye on him until this this off season, getting to look at him. Um, Christian Leary, I think, is a senior. Yeah. Is he a yeah, senior? Yeah, I mean, the guy just airs it out, and he's got a really good arm. My issue is he's, I think he's like 6'2", 190. I mean, he's he doesn't really have an NFL build, um, so that's my issue, and he's not great at escaping the pocket or maneuvering or anything like that, so... In terms of like college production, he should still probably be going mid rounds in our draft. Gotcha. Yeah, he they bring a lot of their offense back, which again in college is kind of a big thing when you can bring back cohesiveness. You can just build off of last year. Last year they did really well and and I can see him just crushing it on the college side and definitely helping out with potential you know, he's not going to be a first-round quarterback, but third round, yeah, I could see that. No, but I mean, he he definitely could win you the league. Like if that's your third quarterback that you're going to be starting, and you're already loaded at quarterback. I mean, you'd be in a good spot. Yeah, and then uh, my next guy here is. Uh, Tyrone Tracy Jr. from Purdue. He is a transfer from the University of Iowa. He's draft eligible in 2023. Uh, Jeff Brom from 2016 to 2021 in neutral game situations passed at a clip of 60.7%. Again, Kirk Ferentz is at 41.5 um, and 60.7 um, and... Lincoln Riley was at 47.1, and Nick Saban's at 49.7. So Jeff Brom and this Purdue offense just sling the ball. You have your Rondell Moores. You have your David Bells. They go high. What They they get drafted. I don't know who the wide receiver to own in Purdue's offense is going to be, but Milton Wright um, was on their team and is no longer part of their team due to ineligibility due to academics but that wide receiver room I'm not sure if anybody owns them um, but that is something that I think we should look at and Tyrone Tracy was starting to get a little preseason pre spring ball buzz um, and then showed out pretty well in Spring, so I think when I look at spring ball stuff, like anybody can just have a good spring ball, or you have people that sit out. Like Alabama had like everybody sitting out. Um, you had some people that canceled their spring ball because they didn't have enough offensive linemen or defensive linemen or wide receivers to like have any depth. So like. I kind of look for practice reports because you can have, I think it was like 12 or 15 practices um, during a set amount of time. And who's kind of, whose drum beat is pretty positive. And then do they go out in the spring game 
and do well. He was one of those that caught my eye. Um, the, and since I'm here talking about Purdue, I think Aiden O'Connell, he is a draft-eligible 2023 quarterback for Purdue. Hey, you're throwing that much. You're going to be um, useful um, on the college side. And I think he's got some pro potential, but it's going to be like a, a clipboard holder backup. But he's got a pretty strong arm, and and I, I kind of I'm a fan of Aiden O'Connell there. Um, trying to think of other guys that I might take late. Jacob, do you have anybody else? Um, you had to take off for a second, but I brought up Aiden O'Connell as as a guy that I kind of like for college purposes and and a little bit of NFL, kind of a clipboard guy, but I, I like him. Is he at Purdue? Yeah, yep. Yeah. So I guess keeping on that train of Purdue, I mean, Curtis DeVille should be look, looked at by every single manager in our league. He's an incoming freshman uh, going to Purdue. He's a little bit undersized, but when you look at his production, he was split out wide at wide receiver, and he was also used as a running back in high school. Um, He's really, really intriguing because he is extra fast. I think he's 6'1", 180 right now, so he needs to gain a little bit of weight to have that NFL upside that I'm looking for, but... Dude can actually blaze. Yep. Alrighty. Well, I could probably talk a lot more about potential guys that you know we could stag up, but I also want to get some of these guys. So, but we've we've given the team our or we've given the league kind of our strategy. Hopefully, this helps you guys out a little bit. It went. Uh, you know, a little bit longer than I thought. We're at 50 minutes. I could talk fo- college football all day long. Pretty much. Um, yeah. So I enjoy this. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this. Um, we need somebody to say that they want to do the next one. Again, we're three guys down. We've got 70% of the league left to go. Um, hopefully we kind of keep – I mean, me and Jacob talked a lot about other things, but our teams kind of was 10, 15 minutes and we can try to keep them shorter um, if we need to. So please reach out. I apologize. My allergies have been crazy today. So if I sound weird, whatever. But it is what it is. All right. Well, hey, for for Luke Probasco and Jacob Belleville, we are signing off for night. Have a good work week. See you guys. Bye.